Welcome back to another episode of the Adam Schefter Podcast. The summer break is over. Football is about to begin. And the podcast schedule is back on track. And this week, we will feature the CEO of Wheels Up, Kenny Dichter, a name that some might not know, but who most people will find inspirational, motivational, and instructional on all the business success that he's had along with the relationships that he's formed along the way with men such as Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, and Bill Belichick. But before we get to Kenny Dichter, first a look back and a look ahead at some of the events that transpired while the podcast was on a brief July 4th hiatus. The biggest story that came out during that time in my mind was NIL, Name, Image, Likeness. It has and will turn the college game on its head, and it's disrupted the lives of NFL agents going forward. They used to recruit these players, oh, I would say starting in the fall, peaking around Christmas and New Year's, when they signed these college prospects to contracts that would enable them to be their agents. And now it's a free-for-all. Now these agents can go sign any athlete at the college level, these football players, to name, image, likeness contracts, and it distorts the college game. Now, in addition to listening to his college football head coach, the football player will have an agent, an advisor to listen to. The agent and advisor will be making money for him, while the head football coach conceptually will not. And so now, at a time where we're seeing this happen, I think more and more players are going to become a little bit more detached from their college football programs. Now, we're going to be seeing players make more money at the college level, and I am all for that. They are entitled and deserving of every cent they can make. All I'm saying is the rules of the game are being changed, and they're going to be changed dramatically. And the name, image, likeness ruling is going to have a dramatic effect that fans might not be able to recognize on their screens, but will impact the way these players conduct themselves, the way programs handle them, and it will change the college game going forward in ways that we still don't even see coming. But that is a huge and deserving development, I should point out. We also continue to wait for an answer from one Aaron Rodgers, who very easily could have dismissed all the speculation that's going on around him with a simple statement of, I'll see you at training camp, or I'll be there on opening day. And instead, we haven't gotten that. Because the fact of the matter is, the truth is, he doesn't want to be in Green Bay. He hasn't planned to be back in Green Bay. Now, we'll see whether the Packers and him can come up with some sort of compromise that can lure him back there. But I don't believe, and I think Aaron Rodgers knows this, that he wants to be back there, nor plans to be back there at this time. He just hasn't come out and said it. Look, the fact of the matter is he loves his coaches. He loves his teammates. He loves many of the people that he's worked with, but not everybody. And so this obviously continues to set up as the storyline of the summer We'll see how the Packers handle it. 
But the one thing I feel very comfortable and confident in saying is Aaron Rodgers does not want to play there anymore. The question is whether they can convince him to do it. And I don't know how that is going to work out. We also know that the former Patriots first round draft pick, Nikhil Harry, would like a trade, requested a trade last week. Now, again, this, I don't know, was the wisest move that Nikhil Harry could have made. If he wants a trade, it would be very simple for him to go into the office of head coach Bill Belichick and privately tell him that he thinks it's in the best interest of everybody to move on. But he did it publicly. And my guess would be that if you want out of New England, the way to do that would not be through the media. That if you're going to do it that way, you hurt your chances and put a bullseye on yourself for the summer. And so I don't think Nikhil Harry is going to get traded anytime soon. I do think he has basically invited more attention and scrutiny on himself, but I don't think he's done anything to further his cause of wanting out of New England. Now, I love a trade story as much as anybody, and if a player wants out and they want to tell me about that, I'm always here and always open to reporting it. But the truth of the matter is, it's usually better for the player to handle those issues privately with his organization, which is not what Nikhil Harry opted to do here. And now we'll wait to see how that shakes out. But I'm going to bet that the Patriots aren't going to let anybody tell them what they are or aren't going to do, that the Patriots are going to do exactly what they want to do. All right. But before we get into today's episode with Wheels Up CEO, Kenny Dichter, there's a few things I want to share with you. If you're an NBA fan like me, You've been watching the NBA Finals, and there's no better place to get your post-game recap and insider information than with Zach Lowe and Brian Windhorst. After each NBA Finals game, the Low Post and the Hoop Collective will do a joint podcast delivering you all the news you need to know. Find the Low Post Hoop Collective podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Also, don't miss Abby's Places, the new ESPN Plus series from soccer superstar Abby Wambach. Abby takes you around the country to get to the heart of soccer history and its cultural impact. Abby's Places is now streaming only on ESPN+. And now today's guest, a high school classmate of mine, the man that went on to found Marquise Jet, Avion Tequila, become the CEO of Wheels Up and be connected in the sports industry unlike few people. Again, the name recognition might not be incredibly high among sports fans, but his message, I believe, will resonate filled with advice for young people. The CEO of Wheels Up, my friend, Kenny Dichter. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited 
to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Adam today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Adam. Joining us now, one of the great CEOs in American business, who also happens to be a high school friend of mine, a former high school basketball teammate of mine. He was much better than I was back then, but he went on to tremendous things. He went on to become the co-founder of Alphabet City Sports Records, Marquee Jets, Tequila Avion, and now CEO of the privately held aviation company, Wheels Up, Kenny Dichter. Kenny, it is always nice to talk with an old, and I, old I mean in a lot of different ways, an old friend. Well, Adam, thanks for having me. And uh, it's really an honor uh, to be on the podcast. And as you know, you said privately held company on Wednesday, we get the honor of ringing the closing bell at the New York Stock Exchange, which is you know, for an entrepreneur like myself, that's the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, we've had hundreds of investors and, you know, 10,000 plus members and flyers uh, that that are on our platform. And to uh, to be the first private aviation company uh, to ring the bell on the New York Stock Exchange. It's uh, again, that's a Super Bowl for an entrepreneur like myself. And yet in the same week, and this is one of the reasons that we're having you on this week, in addition to the fact that you are a master success story, a master storyteller, just a master filled human being, but Wheels Up partnered with the NFL Players Association to launch community outreach programs and extend private aviation benefits to players. So what's that about, Kenny? So first off, you know, Adam, we're a democratized private aviation platform. So when you think about the NFLPA and you think about uh, the gentlemen that are part of the NFLPA, you know, one of the things that we wanted to provide in this partnership was a way that families could get together and share flights uh, to go to the home games, to go to the road games, to create some more family time. Uh, we wanted to partner because a big piece of what we do is about doing good in the world. And there's an MVP program over there uh, where the PA identifies a player once a week who's doing great things in his community. And we're supporting that. And you know, I drew tremendous inspiration uh, from Russell Wilson and J.J. Watt, Tom Brady, uh, three Wheels Up Partners Ambassadors, uh, when they very early in the COVID crisis donated meals to local food banks. Hmm. And we turned that to an, into an initiative. I'll give it to you cleaner for edit. We turned that into an initiative uh, called Meals Up. Uh, I went on TV March 30, March 31, CNBC with Russell, and we pledged 10 million meals. I'm happy to report that after the match this weekend where Brady and Rogers went at it with Mickelson and DeChambeau, that we raised 6.3 million meals on the broadcast, which took us over 60 million. So it's about doing good and it's about, you know, creating a democratized platform to fly people around. So 60 million meals given out to people in need, partnering with the NFLPA and ringing the bell on Wednesday at the New York Stock Exchange, which is one of the highest honors that you've achieved in addition to all the great successes you've had. Could you ever have imagined any or all of this when we were in Belmore, John F. Kennedy High School out on Long Island? 
Well, I'll say this for all the Adam Schefter fans out there. <laughs> while Adam and I, you know, we're both not six footers, uh, but either is Russell, you know, and either is Kyler Murray. So I would just say that just everybody on the podcast should know that Adam was a tenacious defender uh, back in high school. And, uh, you know, he was almost the equivalent of a shutdown corner, if you could be that as a point guard. But I would say, Adam, look, I was always, you know, uh, if you can dream it, you can do it person. You know, I spent a lot of time walking the halls of Kennedy High School and 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 going to class. And when I get in class, I wasn't always super focused on the lesson I was thinking about and dreaming about things that uh, that one could do. Um, I would say that I have a clear crystal vision of a private aviation firm going public, you know, 30 years after we roamed the halls. No. Uh, did I start believing that anything was possible at Kennedy High School? I did. So uh, I would say in a certain way that was foundational. And then, of course, University of Wisconsin, you know, took things to the next level. Where does that belief come from when you have that belief in high school, as you're saying you did? Because I didn't have that belief back then, Kenny. Where does that belief come from? I, I knew in high school that you were going to do big, big things. And I know that I got to visit you when you were on that Denver post beat. And I came out to Denver after Denver won that Super Bowl. Um, so I actually had a I always thought that you were going to do great things. I, I, I wouldn't have said that you were going to become, uh, you know, the sort of journalist in, in the NFL that you've become. But, you know, I, I guess it goes back to just a, an inner feeling. And I'm sure that, you know, a lot of guys in the NFLPA, you know, everybody told those guys at one point they were too small. They were from too small a town. Uh, they didn't have the speed. Uh, you know, my favorite my favorite uh, stat about the NFL Hall of Fame is that there's more undrafted players in the Hall of Fame than first rounders. So there's a lot of dreamers in the NFL. But I would just say, look, that belief came from within. I think it developed over time. And, you know, in high school, there was one thing, Adam, I don't even know if you remember it, but there was a scholarship drive where I actually made my first T-shirt. Uh, and I went around town and I collected $50 from store owners and I had them plaster their name on the back of the T-shirt. And we raised over $1,000 for a scholarship drive. And I was like kind of moving pieces around in three dimensions. So I would say that even though it wasn't, you know, ringing the bell on the New York Stock Exchange, it was the beginning of if I can dream it, I can do it. And then you went to Wisconsin and you dreamed it even more because when we met up at the Masters spontaneously and we're walking the course for the first time I've ever done, which you've done every year, I never have, you were telling me the story. You started selling T-shirts at Wisconsin, yes, right? And then somebody down in Atlanta came to you with a cease and desist letter, right? Yes. And said, you can't do this anymore. And you handled it in a way that I don't think any college student would have done that led to even more opportunities. Can you tell everybody what that was like, what the details of that were? Refresh my memory, because I remember as we're walking... Augusta being blown away by the story. Well, I, I would tell you, Adam, I got a t-shirt business rolling, which by the way, Adam was the, an extension of that high school scholarship drive wow. t-shirt. And I got rolling. We had two or three stores going by sophomore year and we had a wholesale operation that was working outside the football stadium and through the dorms. And the story I told you was about a company called Collegiate Licensing. And there was a gentleman named Bill Battle, who at one point in time was Bear Bryant's like ops guy. 
and he was do- handling business for Bear Bryant uh, when Bear was coaching Alabama. And Bill started a company out of Atlanta, Georgia, called uh, Collegiate Licensing, and he would represent schools in their licensing programs. Uh, at Wisconsin, because the Bucky Badger logo was developed locally by the owner of the bookstore, it was sort of a, a tough to license mark. But sure enough, Bill Battle and his team partnered with University of Wisconsin, and they were basically going to shut down anybody printing Wisconsin or Bucky like they had done at many other schools. Again, I'm going into my sophomore year just so everybody can get a sense. I'm 19 years old, uh, summer of 1987, and I get a phone book size cease and desist dropped on my door by someone in a dark trench coat. And I heard it. It hit the floor like a bowling ball. I open the door. Uh, I read this document. By the way, this document's got to be four or 500 pages and weigh 20 pounds. I go to the last page and I saw a cease and desist. I saw $10 million of damages. And then I saw two names on the end of the, the, the document. One was Bill Battle. The other was Bruce Shapiro, who was the attorney. I didn't even get on the phone. Uh, I just took the document. I put it in the front seat of my black pathfinder. And I drove about 700, 800 miles from Madison, Wisconsin, to the address on the cease and desist. And uh, I, I, I met Bill Battle and, uh, and Bruce Shapiro after sitting in their lobby for six or seven hours. And the, uh, the assistant, the secretary, kind of realizing that I wasn't going to leave until I, I had a meeting with the, uh, the two gentlemen that sent it to me. And I'll fast forward by saying that Bill said that he had sent out over a thousand of these and I was the only person to respond, you know, forget just sending a, a, a letter back. I drove the document back seven or 800 miles. So Bill took the document for me and said, don't worry about it. I told him I was concerned that I was going to have to share with my parents that I was being sued. He told me, he assured me I wasn't being sued. I was just being warned. And Bill said, give me the document so you feel better when you drive back to Wisconsin, that you consider the matter sort of handled. But he said, one day we're going to win that lawsuit in Wisconsin versus the bookstore. And if you want to print Wisconsin and Bucky, you're going to have to license it through us. Fast forward, and I know I told you this, I think we were walking at Amen Corner, and I, and I told you that 10 years later, when I was getting ready to partner with Richard Santulli at NetJet and Warren Buffett, who was the owner of NetJet, Berkshire Hathaway, that I needed some capital. I put some capital up, my partner put some capital up, and I was trying to put together a list of people, and I thought of Bill Battle. And I called Bill Battle, I hadn't spoken to him in 10 plus years, and I said, Bill, it's Kenny Dichter, I don't know if you remember me, but I drove a document down in a black pathfinder from Wisconsin having to do with the cease and desist. He said, Kenny, what are you up to? And I told him this story about partnering and getting into the private aviation business, a partnership with Berkshire Hathaway and NetJet, a Starbucks card of private aviation. And I said, I'm looking to round out an investment round. He said, I don't need to see the documents. Send me the wire information and I'm your partner. Count me in that round. So I would say for everybody listening in that, uh, you know, if you build relationships like I built in that very unusual way as a 19-year-old, I would say, Adam, relationship capital is the most valuable capital in the world. And if people believe in you, if you can set up good faith and credit with people and they trust you, I would say, pun intended, sky's the limit. What about the ESPN guys you fly around, the college football crew? What stands out about Herbie and those guys that you fly around there. Herbie and Reese and, and, and that whole crew. Uh, 
I would just say, first off, people don't realize, first off, Kirk's a great guy. Reese is a great guy. People don't understand how prepared these, these, these guys are. You know, when I sit with Kirk during college football season, he's reviewing these very big spreadsheets and people. And, you know, not only is he following the high school game, but now he follows the program because he's involved now with the draft broadcast. He's preparing. So I would say, you know, a, a guy like Kirk and, and Reese, same way, uh, those are two of two of the guys that we fly. Um, incredible uh, preparation uh, that, that that they do. That's the first word that hits me. I would say that crew is incredible. Imagine Adam putting on a Broadway show in a different location mm. every week. That's what College Game Day does. You bring up some of these names, all the names, the football names that you've been involved with. You were just involved with the match in Montana. What was that like for you? And what's your perspective? When you get to work with guys like Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Phil Mickelson, and Bryson DeChambeau. Well, I would say the first word that comes to my, my mind when I think about those four guys is they're winners. They're winners on the field. They're winners off the field. There's a lot of, that I get to learn from, from partners, NFL partners. I learn as much from, from these people, and I hope that I can give a little bit back. So going back to the match, you know, being with my wife, Shoshana, who, by the way, I met at University of Wisconsin in 1987-88. Um, being part of it just on the course with the folks, uh, it's just, you know, I, I want to say that Cassius Clay, Muhammad Ali quote that hits me is, the more real you get, the more unreal it gets. You and Russell Wilson have a very close relationship. How does it come to be that you are, if I'm not mistaken, a groomsman in his wedding? Yeah, we, as we, Russell and I have a special relationship. I would say he's like a son to me. I have three beautiful daughters. Uh, Russell has become like a son. Uh, Russell had a great dad. Uh, his father passed away six months, maybe a year before I met him. Russell transferred from NC State uh, to Wisconsin. And when he got to Wisconsin, four or five days after he got there, my second dad, uh, Barry Alvarez, called me and said, there's a very unusual kid that just transferred in and you got to come in and see him. He goes, you two, you should take him to dinner. And I'll tell you, my first experience with Russell, I go see him at a practice five days in. You know, Russell was just coming in, meeting the guys. I would say by the time I left at the end of the weekend, he was the captain and the starter. So, you know, Russell works quickly. Very similar story in Seattle. But we go to dinner, and Barry said, take the guy to dinner. So we, we go out, and I think we grab some Chinese food, which Russell hadn't eaten. You know, you and I, Hunan Gourmet, Eng's Kitchen, uh, two, two Merrick <laughs> Belmore guys that uh, – that no good Chinese. I took Russell out. We put like a buffet on the table. And when the check came, I grabbed it. And Russell said, look, he said, I'm an amateur. I'm, I'm, I'm a college football player. Even though he was a pro baseball player, he said, we got to split the bill. I knew I was dealing with a very unusual student. You know, this is a less than $50 dinner. But Russell just said, he's a by the rules guy. And uh, he, he, he and I split that dinner. I would say, Adam, between that meeting and today, I've spoken to him on average, whether it's call, text, FaceTime, or in person, I would say five out of every seven days over the last 10 years. And uh, you talked about the wedding. Russell does everything in style. He married Sierra in Liverpool, where the, where the Beatles grew up. And by the way, a bunch of the players came over. So we had this beautiful wedding at a castle. I'm a groomsman. By the way, all the groomsmen are playing touch, what they call touch football, which felt like tackle football to me. I, I, I basically, when I got there, I was coaching after three or four different plays. So the, the, the young guys are out there playing. And uh, 
it was just an unbelievable weekend. And to be a groomsman uh, at Russell's wedding uh, after, you know, sort of, that was five years ago. So five, six years after I met him and, you know, really been there for him 24, seven, 365. And I would say as much as I've helped him out and mentored him and helped him on some big decision-making uh, he's given as much, if not more to me, one of the most inspirational people that I've ever met. And you talk about a dreamer, you know, I, I would say I live by the illusion is real. Russell can take a delusion and make it a reality. And again, just a, such a special guy, special friend. And like I said, like a son to me, Russell's going to do huge things over the next 10 years in the NFL plus, And then he's going to do even, even bigger things after the game's over. When you think back on all these names and all these people and all these projects and all this money that you've made and all the success you've had, it occurs to me that you've led something of a Forrest Gump kind of life. Have you ever thought about it like that? You know, in a certain way, I would say uh, I definitely have had a Forrest Gump-like uh, run. I hope that, uh, you know, I feel like the run is just, you know, like maybe I'm 30, 40% into the run. I think I got a lot to do, but I just think, you know, I get back to what I said to you earlier, Adam, about relationship capital and just that battle story that I know you love. Um, I just think if you treat people well and you're always nice to people, the power of nice, I think that good things happen to you. And um, I think I've been blessed in a certain way to be around such great people doing great things and winners. And most of the people that are winning top, top of the game. Uh, and I get to meet a lot of them because I get to fly a lot of them. They're ordinary people doing extraordinary things. And I think once you get your head around it, um, I'll turn it around on you, Adam. Did you ever think you'd have 8 million people hanging on every word and counting on you to give them, you know, clean, good journalism and, and, and really give them an edge when they wake up in the morning and they, you know, they're counting on you to let them know what's happening in their favorite sport, the NFL. I, I think you don't, you don't think like that. I think you just go about doing your job the best you can every day. And all of a sudden, maybe you look up and there's that number of followers you're referring to. But I don't ever think about it. And it's not like I set out to do that because when we played high school basketball together. Well, you, by the way, you had a, you didn't have a I know you didn't have a Twitter account, but you had eight or ten followers. <laughs> yeah, 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 well. But let me say this. I didn't even write for the school newspaper. I could have done firsthand accounts of our high school basketball team, which was a very good basketball team, by the way, ranked number 10 in New York State at one point, which wasn't bad for a, a little school on the south end of Long Island. Right there, Kenny? No, definitely not. Let's let's go right into Ask Adam. Adam, we grew up together. We I, I remember, Adam, before you were driving which was, I was in ninth grade, you were in 10th grade. We were, we were hitching rides with the, uh, the older guys and the older gals. But I know that you're also a, uh, you're a guy that loves to eat like me. And I would say, I'm going to go rapid fire here. Bagel, yeah. bagel Boss or Bagel City? Kenny, Bagel City in Merrick. And I think it's still there, right? I think it's still there. It, you know that what? I'm was... not sure. I know physically there's a bagel store there. I'm not sure if it's still Bagel City, but I tell you what. That's something that you and I should open if it's not there. That place was the best. And in fact, the very first time that my wife met my parents, we were driving to the beach and we agreed to meet at Bagel City to get bagels to bring 
to the beach. And that was the very first time that my parents met the woman that I was going to marry in the parking lot of Bagel City. So it's got a special place and special meaning to me. And, and what would you order there? What was the classic Adam Schefter order at Bagel City? You had one bagel. Well, back then, I think I'd have a bagel and wife for salad, Kenny. Uh, by the way, you, you were ahead of your time. That's that you're ahead of your time. What what Adam in, in Michigan, what 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 did you glean? What was the one thing you took away from the University of Michigan that you actually, you know, kind of lean on today? So if there was one lesson, you asked me about Berkshire Hathaway. Yeah. I asked you about Michigan and Ann Arbor. What'd you take out of there that helped you become you? Well, I think the biggest thing is I went there with hopes and ideas of going to a law school or business school and somehow wound up at the student newspaper, which is not what I set out to do when I went there. And Michigan taught me about journalism. And I got to hang around Bo Schembechler a little bit. And I learned an awful lot from him back in the day. It was my first exposure to big time athletics and to athletes at our school, as great a basketball player as you were, or Kenny Consker was, we didn't have people like that, right? That like big time stars in athletes. So it just opened my eyes to that world, the reporting of it with a great network of friends. I'm so proud and happy for all of my Michigan friends who've gone on to do so many great things. And we talk about all the great people that have come from Belmore JFK. And there also are a great number of people that have come from Michigan who have gone and done great things. And my group of friends at Michigan, they are all so successful in their own right, personally, professionally. And I look at that group of men and how they rubbed off on me and helped make me the person I am today. And so there's no specific answer other than to say it helped mold me professionally and personally, for better or worse, into the person that I am today. So Adam, you live in New York. You live in the United States. If you had to choose or you could choose another country, another city oh boy, to live in, and oh I'm boy. not taking away the sports journalism, I'm not taking anything away, but if there was somewhere else that Adam Schefter could live, I know you're a, a New York through and through person. Where would Adam Schefter and his family live? Well, it's interesting because... Colorado, a piece of Colorado is in my soul to this day. Like, I love that place. I lived there for over 15 years, and it was so beautiful. Um, if I could just disappear, though, how about Italy or Australia, Kenny? Somewhere like that. Just go missing. My wife has been watching some real estate show from Australia. Maybe you've seen it. Maybe your wife, Shoshana, has seen it. But these guys that sell real estate in Australia, you know what I'm show I'm talking about? Yep. And my wife said to me, and she's not one to travel very much or at all, she said, well, it looks nice there. I think I could live there. And I'm like, when you're ready to go to Australia and move there, I'm ready to go with you. Well, you just I, give me the word. I, I would tell you this. It may be tough to cover the NFL with that time change, but you would be a massive Australian rules football journalism. <laughs> that's, right, that's right up your alley. The physicality, the, the, the uh, you know, just the style, the strength. Hey, you know what? I'm, I'm going to do this NFL thing for a little while longer. And then in the next phase of my career, I want to go join Jimmy Roberts or do something with golf and travel around to these great stops and follow these great golfers and be around that game and watch the way I've gotten so obsessed with that, watching these guys that in my next chapter, post football, post reporting, that may be something that interests me. Okay. Well, that's it. I think we got a very honest uh, answer 
from Adam. And Adam, I could see you doing a great job in the golf world. And, you know, like I said, I, I, I'm a believer that, again, if you can dream it, you can do it. The growth that you've had, the success that you've achieved, it's been unbelievable to watch. And I'm proud of you. And I'm proud that you're my friend. And I'm proud that I have seen some of this from a distance. And I tip my cap to you, my high school basketball teammate, my running mate. Adam, thanks for having me. And let's go Cougars. Belmore JFK. And there he is, my friend, one of the great businessmen in our country, one of the great marketers, one of the great success stories, Kenny Dichter. And again, I think there are many words of wisdom there that hopefully some people can lean on, listen to, and have resonate in their memory banks for use at another time. And so we are coming off the summer break, a brief summer break. Here's one thing that's going to stand out in my memory. Our family got two puppies in January, Apple and Brady, two little Labradoodles. Well, last week, Brady, terror that he is, I say there are crosses between terrors and piranhas, jumped up on my wife and bit her Apple computer. Just bit it, bit the screen. Took a chunk out of the screen. Wife no longer has an Apple computer. So we have one Labradoodle named Apple, and Brady caused another Apple not to work. This is something that, of course, will mark our summer territory. That was an expensive bite. You don't want to bite an Apple computer. That now needs to be entirely replaced. I want to thank my dogs for basically tormenting my summer break like that, biting into everything. Great job by Brady and Apple. And I also want to say goodbye to one of the greatest coaches in NFL history, a man who might have been, not might have been, was as good, if not better than, any offensive line coach in the history of the NFL. I think he helped revolutionize blocking schemes. He helped coach Super Bowl teams in three different decades with the Denver Broncos the 1980s, the 1990s, and 2013. And every offensive line that Alex Gibbs ever coached was better because he was a part of it. And not only was he a great offensive line coach, an all-time offensive line coach, he was a great man. And he was somebody who everybody knew he did not like talking to the media. But I'm going to let everybody in on a little secret here. As much as he disliked the media, he liked talking to reporters. And in fact, I wound up going over to Alex Gibbs' house many occasions to have dinner with him and his partner, Trina, lovely woman. And I want to offer my condolences to Trina on the loss of such a great man who suffered a stroke back in February and struggled with his health ever since and passed away Monday at the age of 80. And it's hard to imagine a man who was so full of life, who would yell at his offensive line, who hiked all the time. He and I hiked Camelback Mountain together, did so much. Unbelievable gardener in his backyard, a renaissance man, new literature. This guy was one of a kind, lost his life Monday. You could ask the players who played for him, probably hated playing for him while they did. And then once they didn't, they knew the impact he had on them and his family and all the people whose paths he crossed, which were many. Alex Gibbs, gone at the way too early age of 80. 
Condolences to Trina. Condolences to the Gibbs family on the loss of a great coach and a great man. Very sorry for that. All right, I want to thank Kenny Dichter, the Wheels Up CEO, for dispensing the knowledge, insight, and information that he did today. I want to thank my great producer, Christina Buswell, all for a break to put this together and to put up with me to get it together for another episode of this week's podcast. And I want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in to another episode of the Adam Schefter Podcast. Please join us again next week when we will have a special guest, Tom Brady's trainer, Alex Guerrero, is scheduled to join us to discuss many of the training regimens that he deploys to help an aging quarterback continue to play like a young quarterback. Alex Guerrero, next week on the Adam Schefter Podcast. Until then, everybody, have a great week, be well, and stay safe.